Episode 70 of 211's Baseball Talk is here. It's a pleasure to have you with us. We're going to talk all about the Blue Jays and Phillies, the Blue Jays and Red Sox, uh, your mean Mercedes and the controversy there, as well as some other storylines from around the league. We'll dive into some prospect watch as well. Stay tuned. 211's Baseball Talk, episode 70 starts right after this. That was Valance by Infinite walking you into episode 70 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. Joined beside me, as always, is my dad, Chris. And again, not beside me, literally and physically, because he will make sure to correct me on that. But for me, third different location in three weeks, if I'm not mistaken, you are joining us on the podcast. <laughs> yes, I am. And the creepy uh, Zoom voice that they just added, if uh, folks listening and watching haven't heard it yet, it's... Uh... It's a nice new feature. She's very strange and scary. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was very unexpected, but I'm good. And yes, from a third location, an outdoor location, because it's beautiful. I am here in the dogs barking as well. I I hope people don't mind that because dogs are awesome. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're joining us from outside. I believe you may have joined us from outside once before on the podcast. This is a different spot outdoors. So uh, lots of different things going on today, including that that voice that happens that's the, the talks when you start recording. That was quite creepy. I did not enjoy it. Maybe mainly because I didn't expect it to be there. But uh, yeah, not a not a pleasant thing to have happen to us. Um, Especially recording this early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, quite the wake up call. Anyway, following the sweep of the Braves, the Blue Jays played host of the Phillies to begin their final homestand in Dunedin. Friday night, Steven Matz's matchup against Vince Velasquez. A couple brutal calls resulted in Matz only throwing five innings, but he pitched well, going those five scoreless, walking three and striking out nine. He was followed by Trent Thornton, who pitched a scoreless sixth. In the bottom of the sixth, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went yard off Velasquez to put the Jays up one nothing. In the seventh, Thornton began the inning once again on the mound. He walked Andrew Knapp, struck out the next two, then walked Gene Segura. With Bryce Harper due up, Charlie Montoyo opted to go to the bullpen again as Tim Meza came on to pitch. Meza then proceeded to walk Harper and load the bases, and then JT Realmuto walked to tie things up. Reese Hoskins followed that up with a line drive double to make it 4-1. to one. With Jeremy Beasley now on to pitch, he allowed a single to Alec Bohm to make it 5-1. to one. That would be the final score. Another brutal game for Blue Jays' walks. In game two of the series, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wasted no time getting the scoring started as he homered off Varon Nola in the bottom of the first to make it 1-0 Jays. In the second, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. doubled home Kevin Biggio to, make, to give Blue Jays a 2-0 lead. Then Gurriel advanced to third on an error. Reese McGuire followed that up with a hard hit base hit to right, scoring Gurriel. On the mound, Anthony Kay had a good day, pitching four scoreless as he got on the board with a good start for the Blue Jays. No scoring from the second until the eighth, when Gurriel reached on an error by Gene Segura, plating Randall Gritchick, making it 4 nothing, and then Jordan Romano closed the door to win for the Jays. In the finale, Robbie Ray took the mound versus old friend or acquaintance Chase Anderson, who always struggled with the long ball in his time with the Blue Jays. After a scoreless top of the first, Marcus Simeon lead off, led off with a home run, pardon me, one nothing Jays. Then Bobochet went back to back to make it 2 nothing as he hit a missile to center. In the second, the Jays continued to beat up on Anderson as Danny Jansen singled to score another run. That was followed by a Bobochet single to score another. Vlad Guerrero Jr. doubled home one more. Then Randall Gritchick scored two uh, with a double of his own. 7 nothing Jays in the second. In the third, the Jays scored another run with Marcus Simeon's third hit, 8 nothing after three. In the fifth, Nick Maton homered to get the fills on the board. Him and McCutcheon went back to back to make it 8-2. 
Then Alec Bohm singled a singled home a run to make it eight to three. Maton homered again in the sixth, and all of a sudden it was a four-run game. In the seventh, Marcus Simeon got another home, got another run home on a force out. In the eighth, Tim Meza ran into some trouble again. Another run scored for the Phillies on a Nick Maton single. In the bottom of that inning, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit the longest home run of his career, a moonshot into the schoolyard to extend the Jays' lead to four. In the ninth, Jordan Romano left the game after suffering an apparent injury, and Jeremy Beasley came in and allowed an inherited runner to score. Final score was 10-8 Blue Jays. They take two out of three from the Phillies, and overall, I think we can consider it a good series despite the loss on Friday and the comeback efforts made by the Phillies on Sunday. Yeah, it was a great series. Um, I thought it was a great series. Anytime you can win a series, you're in a good, you're in good shape. And uh, you know, I thought the offense was good. I thought there was good pitching in, in that series. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, that was a great series. I don't know what else you would really say about it. I, I think uh, the Jays perform well on all fronts overall. Yeah, I think I think it was pretty good as well. I mean, Stephen Matz uh, performed very well on Friday night, despite some some unlucky things happening to him, and that was a good sign to see. Tim Mesa really struggled in that series, and uh, there was an occasion. We'll talk about it after, I'm sure. I believe I have it in here, so we will talk about it after. Um, where where he could have been used and he wasn't. We'll get into that. That was in the Red Sox series, but I think overall a pretty decent series for the Blue Jays against the Phillies. Vladdy homered in three straight games. Uh, so that was something to see. Uh, he stays hot. I think he's finally arrived in the big leagues, um, proving anybody who doubted him wrong. Um, and, and so really, really good series for the Blue Jays against the Phillies. Phillies struggled defensively in Dunedin. I guess Dunedin is like a house of horrors for many teams. Uh, and, and that was evidenced by the Phillies defense on Sunday afternoon and throughout the series, really. Um, following a Monday off, the Jays hosted the Red Sox with Hyunjin Ryu on the mound. Ryu pitched seven scoreless and dominated, and the offense controlled the game from there. The Jays got the scoring started in the second with a Danny Jansen single. Then in the fourth, Marcus Simeon singled to score one. A throwing error then scored uh, then scored another, allowing Simeon to advance to third. Bo Bichette then doubled him home, 4 nothing Jays after four. Lourdes Goriel singled in the fifth inning, scoring Teoscar Hernandez. In the sixth, Teoscar drove home a run of his own with a single, 6-0. In the eighth, Randall Grichik homered, and the Jays extended their lead to 8-0, and they would win by that score. In the second game, Ross Stripling on the hill versus Garrett Richards, and Stripling allowed a home run to Alex Verdugo, a two-run shot to make it 2-0 early. Next batter, J.D. Martinez went deep to make it 3-0. Christian Vasquez grounded out, scoring another. Then Bobby Dahlbeck doubled to plate one more. 5-0 5-0 Red Sox after a half inning. In the bottom of the first, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. doubled home a run to make it 5-1. In the second, Kike Hernandez joined the homer party 6-1. In the seventh, Marcus Simeon hit a two-run homer to make it 6-3, but Christian Vasquez homered in the eighth to make it 7-3. That would be your final score. Red Sox take one, Jays take one. The finale between the Jays and Sox was Thursday night as uh, Stephen Matz was matched up versus Canadian Nick Pavetta. The Jays got it going early with a Bobochet double that was brought home on a Vlad Jr. double. Then Randall Grichik doubled, and it's 2-0 after one. In the second, though, Stephen Matz ran into some trouble. Bobby Dahlbeck homeward to give the Red Sox the lead. Then Kiki Hernandez singled to score one more, 4-2 Boston. That was followed by J.D. Martinez single, and boom, just like that, it's 5-2 after one and a half. In the bottom of the second, the Jays got one back as Bo Bichette doubled home Marcus Simeon to make it 5-3. In the bottom of the fifth, an error by Rafael Devers scored a run to make it 5-4. Then Kevin Biggio singled, scoring one and tying the game. In the sixth, Jonathan Davis singled home a run to give the Blue Jays the lead. Randall Grichik padded that lead with a single of his own. 
in the ninth, though, with Rafael Dolis inexplicably pitching instead of Jordan Romano, who pitched the eighth, Alex Verdugo grounded out to make it seven to six. Then, with Michael Chavis on, J.D. Martinez took a Dolis slider deep to give the Red Sox an eight to seven lead in the top of the ninth, which they would hold on to to win the series. So, not a great ending to that series after a really good start for the Blue Jays. A shutout, uh, Ryu dominated. Overall, what were your thoughts on the Red Sox series? A uh, stroke of managerial brilliance. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. The Romano decision, I, I don't get it. I don't get how that last game ended. I mean, it was a typical series back and forth up until, um, you know, actually it was, it was going to be a two out of three Jays series. Uh, and then happened the eighth and ninth of game three. And I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand why you would put Delise in that situation, in that scenario. I do not know why you would take Romano out. It, just keep him in there for the eighth and ninth if you're going to put him in in the eighth. Um, I get that he's been used a lot. I get that there's injury risk. But Delise, I mean, that's the reason we lost that series. I, I agree with you completely. And I tweeted something out, and it seems a lot of people agree with us uh, in the responses I got because. Jordan Romano should have been pitching that ninth inning for the Blue Jays. Rafael Dolis, he's he's been a great closer in the past for the Blue Jays. He was great last year. He would always create a jam for himself, but he'd wiggle out of it. This year, he's coming back from injury. His last outing was, uh, I believe, in the first game against the Red Sox in, in what was an eight to nothing Blue Jays lead. So they just wanted to get him some work. Throwing him into the ninth inning against what was going to turn out to be the top of the order after eight and nine hitters, I believe, after Jordan Romano went one, two, three in the eighth. That was a questionable decision because I know Charlie Montoyo likes to roll with his pitchers. He doesn't have an assigned closer, but he likes to have his pitchers face certain spots in the order. I don't understand how Jordan Romano faces five, six, and seven after all that he's shown you this season. And then Dolis, who just came back from injury. I'm not faulting Dolis at all. I think he was thrown into a bad situation. He has to face eight, nine, and one. And I get that that kind of sounds like it's better, but then you get the top of the order looming. And, and with two outs, which is how this happened, the top of the order can create offense. These are the two best offenses in baseball. Let's be real about it. These are the two best offenses in Major League Baseball right now. And the top of the order for the Red Sox can create and, and, and do damage. That's what they did here. Dolis was able to get outs. He just was not able to retire the top of the order. And I think Romano would have. I don't understand at all why Jordan Romano was not used in the ninth inning and Rafael Dolis the eighth or even the seventh with Tyler Chatwood, who has been dominating. using the eighth, pardon me. That just, that decision baffled me. Yeah, and why in this series? Like, why in this series, when you have an opportunity to take over first place, are you making an asinine decision to leave Delise or to bring in Delise in the ninth and then, you know, take out Romano? Uh, yeah, so Delise is not the only guy in the Blue Jays' bullpen, though, who has struggled. As Tim Meza ran into some trouble of his own on the weekend against the Phillies, and uh, he was passed up in a spot on Tuesday night against the Red Sox, which seemed like the typical Tim Mesa situation. I believe a, a righty and two lefties do up or something similar to that. There was a lefty. It seemed like the perfect spot to bring Mesa in normally, but Charlie Montoya and Pete Walker opted for Travis Bergen. Now I can't say I blame them on that decision. I do blame them on the Dolise Romano decision, but on that decision, I can't say I blame them. Mesa struggled. He, he couldn't find the strike zone. So they opted to go with Bergen. 
What have your thoughts been on Tim Mays' struggles? Tim, Tim, Timmy, Tim Mays. What's going on, buddy? Why are you hurt? Tell us you're hurt. You're obviously hurt. That's what I actually think. I think he actually might be a little hurt. Um, again, this is, I forget who it was on one of the broadcasts talking about, I think it was Joe Siddle talking about hurt and injured. I don't think he's injured to the point where he needs to be put on an IL stint, but he must be hurt or something because he's had tremendous success before. And now all of a sudden it's been a bit of a struggle for him. Yeah. And I mean, they opted to keep Mesa on the roster over Francisco Liriano out of spring training and Mesa had options. Liriano did not. So it was, it was a decision that the Blue Jays thought would benefit them um, because Mesa is a, is, or was a high leverage arm before he got Tommy John surgery. And to start the year, he appeared to be the guy he was before Tommy John. He, he was coming in to face the lefties and, and was pitching very well. I think every reliever is going to have a rough patch in their season. I understand that. But to the extent that Mesa had it where he just could not throw a strike like at all, it was just ball after ball after ball after ball after ball. And he walked home a run to tie the game against the Phillies. Uh, and that allowed Reese Hoskins to, to clear the bases. It was just a mess. And he came in to face Bryce Harper in that Phillies game uh, where he blew it. Um, with two guys on, you came in to face Harper. It's a lefty-lefty matchup. And it's Bryce Harper. I get that. You would want him to record an out. Doesn't have to be a strikeout, maybe a ground out. But he just walked Harper, and then and then he walked Real Muto after that, and then Reese Hoskins doubled, and it was it was a real disaster for the Blue Jays and Tim Mesa, and that was that was upsetting to see because Tim Mesa is an easy guy to root for, especially after all he's been through following the Tommy John surgery. But I mean, it was hard to root for him uh, in that game there. Um, speaking of guys who have struggled a little bit, Anthony K seems to have found it after that last start. We'll see if that lasts. He's starting the opener against the Rays uh, tonight at the time of this recording yesterday at the time of the release of the podcast. Um, but lurking in the minor leagues is Thomas Hatch. I'm a big Hatch fan. I talked about it last week. I talk about it every week. He made a rehab start. Open in the, the Buffalo. hatch. Open the hatch. Open it's the time. Hatch. Nearly time. Once he's uh, a 60 day, once he's eligible to be removed from the 60 day IL, then it's time to open the hatch. Uh, but Hatch pitched, uh, had a rehab start in Buffalo uh, the other day, and uh, he threw three innings, allowed two runs, only one of them earned, struck out three, I believe, walked one. Uh, overall, a pretty solid rehab outing for Thomas Hatch, considering it's the first time he's faced competitive hitters in uh, uh, since March in spring training. So I liked what I saw from Thomas Hatch. Uh, it, in the in when when Hatch is eligible to return from the 60-day IL, he immediately slots into that Anthony K spot, correct? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, you know, I hope that, uh, and it's nice to see that Kay has, has improved a little bit. I hope he continues to do that. Um, but I, I do believe that's exactly the spot, unless he goes in the stripling spot, but I think that's still technically reserved for Manoa at some point very soon. Um, but I think you're right. I think he fills the K spot when he comes back. Yeah, and I could see potentially uh, a situation where they use K and Hatch, where K doesn't go down and they use Hatch, and K and piggyback one off the other uh, in at least the first couple hatch starts, um, depending on how things go there, especially, especially if K uh, is able to, to beat the Rays or work well against the Rays uh, in, in the opener, because I think that if he can, that is big for his status with the major league club this season, because Thomas Hatch proved last year, he he deserves to be in the big leagues and to be big league starter, but we'll see uh, how K factors in. So I think that the next couple of weeks are going to be big because Hatch can't be, uh, can't be 
lifted off the 60 day until June 1st, I believe, or early on in June. So um, we'll see where, where K is at when Hatch comes back. I would take Hatch over K right now. Uh, just what we've seen from Anthony K this season. I think that it's it's a better, safer option to take Thomas Hatch, but I would like to see what they're able to accomplish piggybacking one off of the other, having K or Hatch start and then K come in after that. Uh, we'll see if that's what they opt to go with. And we'll also see if they stretch him out. A big hint will be whether they stretch him out further than three innings in Buffalo, because he's going to have a couple more rehab starts, I believe, before he's eligible to come off the injured list. Um, he threw three innings. He was obviously limited to that in that outing. If he goes four or five in his next two starts, then maybe we don't see Anthony K come in or to piggyback off of him when Hatch is eligible to return. But if Hatch is continuing to work three innings in his rehab starts, I think that maybe that's an indication that at least to start, they're going to have Hatch uh, start the game and then K come in after three, four innings. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, uh, some more injuries for the Blue Jays. Ryan Barucki got placed in the injured list before the Phillies series. And I think that... Ryan Baraki would have been used in the situation Tim Meza was on Friday night, and maybe he would have, he would have had more success. Baraki, I think, is uh, is a, a, a better high leverage lefty than Meza just because of the stuff he's got now out of the bullpen. Um, obviously, not the guy he was when he was starting in 2018. Now he's throwing high 90s. He's got a sharp slider. So Baraki's been a, a pleasant sight to see when he's not hurt for the Blue Jays, but he is down with injury right now. Uh, Rowdy Telez. He hurt his hamstring in the game on Sunday, uh, didn't play in the first two games against the Red Sox, came in in the Wednesday game, or sorry, the Thursday game as a pinch hitter and walked. So we'll see where Telez is at. I mean, it's good to see that he pinch hit. He was never placed on the injured list. It looked like he really hurt his hamstring in the moment, but uh, good to see that no nobody else is getting placed on the IL. Um, Ross Atkins mentioned Forrest Wall could be up this season in a couple of radio hits uh, that he did this week. Um, the Jays already have a backlog of outfielders with Springer. Once he's healthy, Grichik, Guriel, Hernandez, Jonathan Davis is up there. Uh, Josh Palacios, who's hurt right now is also an option. Do you see Forrest wall uh, getting a spot on the 40 man roster and getting called up at some point this year? I am able to see the forest for the trees. And uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I do see him coming up. Uh, oh God, that was awful. Um, I do see him coming up uh, this year, but not to say. I think just depth. Yeah, yeah, and he's having a good start uh, for Buffalo. He's he's played well in AAA uh, the past couple of seasons since he came over from the Rockies in the Sunwon O trade. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what Forrest Wall can bring. I think he deserves a shot. He struggled at times in spring training, which worries me a little bit, but just, just to give him a chance. Uh, and I think that chance could come in September. I believe the roster is still expand to 28 or something. Maybe he's one of the guys that you bring up. The thing is, and, and I've seen a lot of people mentioning it recently with, with guys like Hatch getting set to return off the 60 day IL, the Jays have a lot of pitchers and a lot of players in general who will need to come off of the 40 man roster. They're going to have a big 40 man roster crunch coming up hatch is coming off a 60 day il which means you have to take somebody else off that's likely going to be jeremy beasley if we're being honest uh but it could also be aj cole i don't know what the situation is there so adding a guy to the 40 man i don't believe forrest wall is on the 40 man um but adding a guy to the 40 man maybe isn't the the greatest option right now for the blue jays considering how much room they're gonna have to make for guys who are coming off of the il and who are hopping onto the 40 man roster uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll see what happens with forest wall. Um, it's time for the two best and the worst of the week. Who is your best pitcher from the last week in blue Jays baseball? 
Best pitcher, I'm going to give to Hunjin Ryu, obviously. Um, I mean, it's an easy sort of pick, I know, but I mean, he's just been absolutely dominant since starting his bump up. <laughs> yes, he has. That <laughs> <laughs> caught me off guard a little bit. Um, <laughs> after. After he came back from his injury, uh, he started a little bit against the A's and then dominated against the Braves and then once again against the Red Sox, uh, pitching seven innings in both cases, allowing one run against the Braves, allowing nothing against Boston. Uh, he's looked fantastic. He's my best pitcher as well, as if you couldn't tell by me raving about him uh, over there. R- Ryu is just, he's just an ace and you can tell. Um, he's, he's finally gotten out of the shadow of, of other Dodgers pitchers uh, since he came over to the Blue Jays, and he's proved that he can be an ace as well. And I think that um, Ryu's been awesome. And I think a lot of Blue Jays fans will tell you that he's been worth every single penny of that contract. Um, yeah, I uh, I have to agree with, with that. I mean, he's been worth more than that. I think he's you know that contract's almost cheap now at this point because of how dominant that uh, Ryu has been. I hope it continues. Uh, it's great to see that he gets to be that ace, and really nobody's barking up that tree. Um, at all <laughs> so <laughs> so uh it's good because uh it's it's i think he's gonna this is gonna be a contract the blue jays fans look back on and go wow you know, what a deal that the jays ended up getting for hunting review <clears throat> yeah and we've seen a lot of signings and free agency in the blue jays past that haven't worked out so great for the team but i think this is one so far that's proved to be uh worth all the money he was given and compared to other guys who got contracts in that year that was a cheap deal for the blue jays to get him at four years 80 million dollars um now for your best hitter the past week in blue jays baseball uh, i think i gotta I, I mean it's so hard because i, I know vladdy's probably the obvious choice i mean obviously hitting balls into the schoolyard are is one reason but uh you know but i mean how do you not go with vladdy in this scenario i mean but I, maybe i'd go with the combination of vladdy and teoscar hernandez that's worked out so well for the last uh what do you, i would say two weeks right dylan um yeah and ever you since teoscar came back from his covid scare yeah so i'm going to give it to the combo of vladdy and teoscar as uh, best hitter they're going to be just one big best hitter because it's uh it's really worked out well for the blue jays so far in this move yeah the three four uh vladi teoscar combo has been really good if we're going combos then i can i can participate in this i'm going to go with the one two combo simeon and bichette i mean they've been doing it for the past couple of weeks and especially lately uh doubles galore with these guys and uh simeon's been hitting the long ball He's a guy, I mean, like you're looking at his numbers and you're like, maybe the Jays should offer him a contract. And I know we talked about it last week and I don't want to give him a long-term thing. Maybe you give him an offer because of the way he's played right now. And Bo Bichette has also been awesome. So I'm giving it to the combo of Simeon and Bichette if you're giving it to the combo Guerrero and Hernandez. And just like that, the top four best hitters in the Blue Jays lineup, uh, just the way it should be. Now, the, uh, the worst player from the past week in, in Jays baseball can be a pitcher or a hitter. Well, I'm going off the field though, Dylan, and I'm giving it to Chuckles. Oh my gosh! Uh, One gotta, bad move. I, One bad move. <laughs> I gotta give it, but it's a move against a first place team where you have the ability to take over first place before that team leaves your home stadium, and you don't do it. Instead, you make a terrible decision. Well, One of the worst he's made. He wouldn't have. And, they wouldn't have been in first place because of the loss after after the loss on Wednesday with Stripling on the mound they wouldn't have been in first place after the Red Sox left. I I get what you're saying, but it would have been a half game instead of two and a half. 
Yeah, but still, I mean, the reality is it's still a half game. Um, and we, the Jays could have used that. Um, it wasn't the series to make that decision. If you want to do an experiment with that combo in a different order, you do it against the Baltimore Orioles. You don't do it against the first place Boston Red. I get what you're saying, but the, the real for me, I mean, the Jays don't get to play the Orioles until June or maybe even July. The Jays have had the toughest schedule in baseball, so Charlie Montoya has not been offered any wiggle room to try out these combinations and then these three guys uh in the in the in the bullpen so i disagree with that pick uh completely that said i will give mine to a pitcher as well and i'm going to give it to tim Mesa. and i feel bad ragging on tim Mesa quite a bit but he really really struggled in in those games against the phillies um and and hopefully he can find it and you like you mentioned he could be hurt he could be hurt for the blue jays but uh Tim Meza was disappointing to see. Another thing that was disappointing besides Tim Meza was the Tony La Russa, your mean Mercedes situation between the White Sox and the Twins. For those of you who don't know, uh, your mean Mercedes swung 3-0 with a position player pitching with the White Sox up by a bunch of runs late in the game and hit a moonshot home run. Uh, Willian Sastradio, who was pitching in that game, uh, <laughs> threw a 40. I, I'm being, I'm being crept on here uh, by my, by my co-host. Uh, <laughs> over my window. Um, William Sassadio was throwing 48 miles an hour and your mean Mercedes uh, took a swing on the 3-0 pitch and hit a 108 mile an hour rocket to center field, a home run. Astadio didn't like it. And you know who else didn't like it? Tony La Russa. There was controversy that ensued. Um, and La Russa said he didn't like what Mercedes did. That he will face consequences within the family. Uh, it's breaking an unwritten rule. And I thought we'd already broken this unwritten rule with Tatis last year, but I mean, apparently not. And I guess this is different because of position, position players pitching. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? I think it's just silliness. Uh, I think it went way too far. It's a long discussion, I know, but um, you know, the fact that, you know, it's not really, I, I know he swung at it. I know he hit a bomb out of swinging at it. Um, and the score was 14 to whatever, but uh you know, I get that it's an unwritten rule. You don't do it, but are we even doing unwritten rules anymore in baseball? I, I mean, mean, is it is it a written rule to have twenty eight thousand no hitters in the first two months <laughs> of the of the season? No, I, I don't know what we're doing in baseball right now. But I don't think Larusa really needed to. I I know you've said to me in in many cases that you think he's maybe even lost the clubhouse already. I I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I I don't think Larusa should even be a manager in, in Major League Baseball any longer. Yeah, and I'll let you get deeper into that in a second here. And after that that game, La Russa practically gave permission to the Twins without explicitly saying, you can hit my player. He gave them permission to hit his player. Um, and so uh, Mercedes got thrown at by Tyler Duffy, who, poor guy, clearly did not want to do it uh, for the Twins, but but had to be the guy who did and, 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 and threw at Mercedes. He got ejected. He's been suspended three games. Rocco Baldelli suspended one game. I think you should suspend Tony La Russa, too. I mean, he gave the, the, the Twins every reason to throw at Mercedes. I mean, he was the guy who who allowed them to hit his player. And I think that's ridiculous. I mean, not sticking up for your player is one thing. And we saw Jace Tingler do it and then walk back on it last year when Tati swung 3-0. I, I understand that Tony La Russa is about as old timer as it gets for big league managers right now. But I mean, come on. We saw Joe Girardi on Sunday after Gene Segura blew the game for the, for the Phillies, you could say, after costly errors in the second inning. He did not want to talk about that publicly. He did not want to go after his player in public. Tony La Russa 
went after Mercedes in public, then Lance Lynn and the whole, the whole White Sox team was saying that they didn't care about it and that they thought it was awesome that he swung 3-0 and then he hit an absolute moonshot. That was great. Your mean Mercedes is a popular guy in the clubhouse. He's come up after grinding it out in the minor leagues for three different organizations. He's come to the White Sox, has finally found success, swings 3-0, which he is paid to do. He's paid to hit home runs. And Tony La Russa gets mad at him for it. And Tony La Russa allows the Twins to hit his player. Lance Lynn sticks up for your mean Mercedes. You know what Tony La Russa says? Well, I disagree. Lance has a locker and I have an office. I don't think that was the right thing to do. You know what? He's known Lance Lynn for such a long time. Lance Lynn is a guy who commands respect in the clubhouse. If you're not respecting your veterans in that clubhouse, you're going to lose the clubhouse. And despite the White Sox awesome record so far this season, I think that Tony La Russa should be gone. What are your thoughts on the whole situation with him not backing up his players? Yeah, well, I think he has to. He's the manager. He's got to back up his players. And, and I get that he was yelling, take, 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 take out, out the dugout. And the guy didn't listen. That, and you're meeting Mercedes, right? That didn't listen. Um, you know, it happens. And I get it. But the problem is that, you know, you've got to back your players. you got to back Lynn in this. you got to back... Uh, everybody the whole clubhouse and and he doesn't he doesn't do that and uh, even gives permission to hit his own player you, you just can't do that yeah no it's 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 terrible and i think that it's what he's done is 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 fireable um for the white Sox, but they won't do it because larus has a free pass with owner jerry reinsdorf uh and yeah that's a, that's a mess but you know what i think that it's ridiculous that uh, mercedes is being reprimanded for having swung 3-0 um and I get that you don't want to disobey the sign, but it's, it's gotten, if that's all it was like, it's, it's, it's gone too far because now you got players getting hit and you're not backing up your guys. And it's, it's a mess. It's, it's a real mess for the white Sox. Um, what we thought was going to be a mess, the Albert pool situation. He signed pretty quickly after being officially released with the LA Dodgers for the major league minimum hit his first home run the other day. Uh, what have your thought? What were your thoughts on, on pool signing in LA with the Dodgers? Well, I thought it was a great final way to end your career, probably with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers obviously have a great shot at winning the World Series again. Uh, so I think that's great for him with, to have that opportunity. And it was awesome to see him hit that home run, too. Yeah, good for Albert Pujols. I mean, he's a guy who's easy to root for. Uh, he's just He just wasn't having much success with the Angels. And uh, he's going to be a guy who plays first base against lefties for the Dodgers and then comes out when a righty comes in. And he's going to come in and pinch hit for a lefty when a, when a lefty is on the mound out of the bullpen. That's, that's going to be his role. He's not going to be an everyday player for the LA Dodgers. And I think he's come to terms with that. Um, so I, I, I get that if, it, if this is his final season, he wants to go out winning a World Series. He wants a third ring. Uh, and, and the Dodgers are a great team to try and do that with. Um, guys, they're going to be looking to get some rings with the Blue Jays are some of these prospects. And uh, Prospect Watch brings us down to AAA, where Forrest Wall is hitting 302 with five RBI and four stolen bases uh, at the time that we, uh, we got these stats. So Forrest Wall having a great season so far. Alec Manoa with another phenomenal outing. Six innings allowed a run. Oh, my gosh. He's a bust. Uh, struck out 10 in, that, uh, in those six innings. Just dominated the uh the whatever the Worcester team is I, I don't know their their team name um and then Gabriel Moreno in double a 444 average a home run 10 RBI 1.135 OPS he's been dominating and that's been good to see for the Blue Jays as he's one of their top catching prospects this concludes episode 70 of 211's baseball talk we thank you very much for joining us on the show and we hope to see you next week when we've got another great episode for you